Welcome to another episode of 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am the Deputy Director of the Americas Program at CSIS. How professional the Mexican but are we ready? I don't reform trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what happened. Role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. Welcome to 35 West. Migration from the Northern Triangle countries has increased greatly. Since 2014, it is estimated that more than 2 million people have fled the Northern Triangle. There are many reasons why people feel they must migrate, including violence, economic instability, and corruption, all persistent problems in El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. One reason for migration that has gained attention recently is climate change. This is a factor which these three countries are also especially vulnerable to. As the effects of climate change continue to get worse year by year, it is ever more important to gain greater understanding of the connection between migration and natural disasters. Our guest today is Dr. Betilde Munoz Fogosian, the director of the Department of Social Inclusion at the Organization of American States. Betilde will share with us some findings of a recent report she did with Florida International University. The name of the publication is Environmental Explanations of Central American Migration, Challenges and Policy Recommendations. For this episode, Betilde will specifically highlight ways that the U.S. government can engage with governments in the region to confront these issues. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Maggie, for the invitation to join you in this episode and to want to thank also CSIS and the whole team under your leadership for prioritizing the, the discussion on Central American migration and also the connections with climate change. Happy to be with you today. Migration from the Northern Triangle of Central America has been an important topic over the past few years, but especially in the context of COVID-19 and the early months of the Biden-Harris administration. Betilde, please set the scene for the audience. Can you paint a picture of the migration situation in the Northern Triangle of Central America? What are some of the main causes or push factors causing people to leave their homes behind? Well, the Central American migration crisis, as you say, has become a salient issue in, in U.S. and regional politics alike. However, it is not a new phenomenon. It's actually cyclical in nature but of course has recently acquired more relevance given the consequences of the, what I call like the coexistence of the COVID-19 pandemic and the devastating effects of climate events on migratory patterns. As you mentioned, we know that the numbers have been steady, but with recent increases in the last few years, by 2019, almost 1 million Central Americans were registered as displaced. Although we saw a kind of a slowdown in people migrating during the pandemic, these numbers have started to increase again in 2021. Why do these people migrate? What are those push factors that make people move? The reasons for their displacement are many. Lack of opportunities, poverty and inequality, violence and crime, including forced recruitment in gangs, drug trafficking and organized crime activities, food insecurity and unfavorable socioeconomic conditions. All of this is driving migration north. The region also experiences widespread sexual and gender violence and community violence, mainly affecting women and children. 
But additional to these root causes I have just listed, not only have extreme climate events been increasing in Central America, but the impacts of climate change tend to be disproportionately felt by these countries. And this is because Central America, along with Southeast Asia, are the two regions in the world most vulnerable to climate events, and at the same time, one of the least prepared to respond and quickly recover from them. Unlike, for instance, other countries in South America, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador are highly vulnerable to climate change because of their extensive coastlines, economic dependence on agriculture, the potential for storm damage, right? And other factors adding to this vulnerability include the limited preparedness to withstand this type of extreme climate events and to quickly respond to emergencies. Matilde, how is the migration wave in the Northern Triangle different from other migration and refugee situations in the rest of the Latin America region? This is really a, a great question. It's always very important to understand the dimensions of the Central American migration crisis in comparative perspective. From the standpoint of the Organization of American States, we are monitoring at least three migratory systems. Of course, that of the six million Venezuelans who have left the country in the last few years, also, that of uh, over 100,000 Nicaraguans who started leaving the country in 2018 after social protests ended in repression, really, against the citizens. And again, by the way, on this, we're seeing increases, again, in forcibly displaced Nicaraguans because of the crackdown on political dissidents this year by the Ortega regime. But comparatively, comparatively speaking, the Central American migration crisis comes second after the Venezuelan migrant and refugee crisis in the Western Hemisphere regarding the number of people forcibly displaced. Another characteristic that differentiates them is the country of destination of this migration. We know for the case of Venezuelans that they are mostly settling in other South American countries with high, higher numbers probably in Colombia, Peru, Chile, Ecuador, and that Nicaraguans are mostly settling in neighboring Costa Rica. But in the case of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, the main destination is almost always the U.S. To illustrate this point, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras together comprise 80% of Central Americans arriving at U.S. borders. And the data that we have by 2017, we know that they were 8% of the U.S. 44.5 million immigrants. And I would add a third element that also differentiates them, which is the socioeconomic profile of the Central American migration. We know in the case of Nicaraguans, we've mostly had journalists, activists, students, political active people. In the case of Venezuelans, of course, we're talking about a, a population in a situation of vulnerability, but with academic degrees, professions already with a, a lot of education. And in the case of Central Americans, the profile mostly includes people from rural areas, almost 50% women, people from indigenous communities, which kind of coincides with the rural factor, with limited education, and, and this creates more challenges for them as they transition from their countries of origin north and also for their receiving countries. What dimensions of social inclusion, women's rights, indigenous rights, poverty, are important to consider when talking about the migration crisis in the Northern Triangle? Well, we need to be aware, as I was just saying, that Central American migrants include people in vulnerable, very vulnerable situations in their countries of origin. 
and are migrating from municipalities that not only are poor and rural, but also ethnically indigenous, right? We know also that half of those forcibly displaced are adults and the other half are unaccompanied and accompanied minors. Of the adult migrant population, around 48% are women. Indeed, reports on the ground are showing that migrants comprise mainly women and children who are fleeing from extreme violence and extreme poverty. And I must say that this is important because it is often migrant women and children the most vulnerable to sexual abuse, gender violence, human trafficking, smuggling in the countries of transit destination and return. From the monitoring we do at the OAS, we also know that the profile of Central American migrants is now also increasingly including more at risk and youth, really. We are actually finalizing a study with the World Food Program that confirms that by early 2021, young people between 18 and 24 years old from rural areas, usually most extreme also to extreme climate events, compose most of those who have an intention to migrate north. So. In terms of social indicators, there is an important contingent of young people now seeing the U.S. as the only way really to escape poverty and obtain some sort of social mobility. Matilda, let's turn now to the recommendations in the recent publication that you and Diego Chavez Gonzalez authored. What would you say were the most important findings of this report and what were some of the key findings about that relationship between natural disasters and migration? Well, Maggie, for us, it was great to be able to write this paper and take, take the environmental angle to explain why people migrate from Central America. The research really confirmed what we intuitively thought, which is that there's very little research being done on the issue of climate change and migration in the region and much less making the connection with the phenomenon of internal displacement and its security implication for these three countries. Those definitely are like two key contributions of the paper that I, I want to quickly review for you. So what we did in this paper was try to understand on one hand, if there was a connection between the increase in frequency and severity of climate events in Central America and migration. And if this was the case, how that relationship came about and here we looked at the role of internal migration, or as I said, internal force displacement as a sort of precursor to this out-migration north. And on the other, we also sought to evaluate the impact that internal displacement of these populations affected by climate events had on community, social, and security conditions, and whether internal displacement could explain security threats to these countries and, of course, ultimately affect the people's decision to move north. So what would be some key takeaways? And I would just mention around two or three that are important. One, that climate change and the exposure of Central American countries to extreme climate events does influence people's decisions to move. Of course, each country faces different climate-related challenges, but in all, three countries are highly susceptible to hurricanes and severe storms, volcanic activity and earthquakes, floods and droughts, landslides affect, that affect really agricultural production and, and infrastructure, and that results in food insecurity and loss of jobs, really. The second takeaway is that climate events should not cause people to move in the sense that adequate disaster preparedness and recovery are needed in order to address the root causes of migration, right? The common denominator among the three countries is that extreme natural event after another, the countries have not been able to prepare fully to withstand the damages that are both human, of course, and economic, and have also struggled to implement a quick and efficient recovery once they happen. 
And thirdly, I would say that the paper shows or sheds light, let's say, on something that we seldom discuss on this conversation, which is that people's first choice is not necessarily to migrate north. In the paper, we show that there is internal displacement happening first. So, you know, what we argue also, and we can talk a little bit uh, about the recommendations, is that we need to prioritize disaster preparedness and mostly foster community resilience to these climate events and eventually for especially thinking of the cities that are receiving these placed populations. How would you characterize, based on your findings, the relationship between natural disasters and other migration-related, let's call them impacts, such as increased violence and human trafficking? Well, what the analysis suggests that those variables that you mentioned correlate positively. In other words, natural disasters correlate to internal displacement, and this internal displacement phenomenon correlates also positively with violence and this violence with migration. The data showed a connection between internal displacement due to effects of natural disasters in these three countries and increases in the numbers of homicides, which is kind of the proxy that we use for violence in the region. So the connections are there, although I must mention a caveat, which is that correlation does not imply that you know, there are direct cause of these migration movements. So what we do in this, uh, with the study is to provide kind of an alternative to the traditional explanations about migration from the Northern Triangle that relate to poverty, conflict, violence, and really show how the cumulative effects of climate events, such as floods or, or earthquakes or hurricanes, are drivers of fragility, conflict, and violence that produce internal displacement and, and out-migration. And on the issue of human trafficking, this is not part of the study, but we do know that it is one of the key crimes associated with migration processes, and that along with migrant smuggling are two of the security challenges associated with, with migration processes that are challenges both for these particular countries as well as countries of transit and destination, although we did not specifically address uh, human trafficking in this paper. You and Diego Chavez Gonzalez do a really fantastic job delineating specific policy recommendations to respond to climate-related drivers of migration. What are some policy recommendations and priorities that decision makers in the Biden-Harris administration, Capitol Hill, the development community should consider in developing a plan to confront these issues? Well, in the paper, we propose a series of recommendations that are definitely not exhaustive, but at least hint as to what could be done better or differently or additionally to address the root causes of Central American migration. We offer recommendations in four realms, advocating for more engagement with political and security actors at the local and regional levels to design different policies or new policies that can help prepare this region to manage extreme climate events that, as I, we show in the paper, affect people's decision to move. Here, for instance, we highlight the fact that the U.S. is leading the 2022 Summit of the Americas process that is also supported by the OAS, and how this could be an important forum to discuss the environmental explanations of, for Central American migration, but really to promote a regional conversation on the issue that includes public, private, and international financing actors, especially in terms of disaster preparedness and recovery. We also recommend the implementation of more focused, tailored financial and technical assistance 
to generate data to monitor and build agricultural and socioeconomic community resilience. This issue of resilience is kind of like something that is seen throughout the paper, including addressing the differentiated impact of climate events, violence, migration on women, right? And this includes, for instance, providing more support to building community resilience against climate events and for greater and more sustainable economic and human development. And we believe, or we argue in the paper, that this can be achieved with greater cooperation that focuses on the cities generally affected by these climate events, as well as those receiving internally displaced people. The third realm of recommendations have to do with promoting effective and inclusive engagement with local actors, really thinking a little bit outside the box in terms of identifying innovative ways to engage with lo local government authorities, the private sector at the local level, local NGOs, and create a positive ecosystem of actors working on this. And finally, we also propose the consideration of responses to providing international protection and regularization options for people who move due to climate-related reasons. I mean, there have been discussions at the global level, the UN, in academia, about the need to consider an international protection category. What's been used is climate migrants or climate refugees, right? You know, thinking of how to protect those who move because of depleted livelihoods and losses due to climate events that have not been adequately managed and have no choice but to flee. Given that the Biden-Harris administration has an ambitious climate agenda, do you see this type of engagement becoming a higher priority? Definitely. I think we are already seeing it. Uh, empirical evidence, as well as the human stories of Central American migration, are showing that climate change is one of the political and policy challenges of our times and has to be cross-cutting in the efforts to keep working towards more sustainable, more equitable Central American region. So, you know, with regards to migration, climate change has to be part of the equation when thinking about responses. And it's great to see that it's already being prioritized. Matilda, is there something that we did not cover? Anything else that you would like to highlight or add? Well, maybe that, you know, we, you know, we have to keep seeing or studying and trying to understand violence, conflict and economic factors as, as the primary triggers of human mobility in the Central American region. But we must include in the conversation the need to prioritize climate change as another push factor. And in this, perhaps mention that there are very limited studies and data to understand the magnitude of the impact of environmental factors on human mobility. So perhaps the invitation would be to generate more evidence, more data, and more cooperation, sort of to give more holistic public policy responses on addressing the root causes of Central American migration. Thanks, Matilda, for joining us in 35 West. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West. <laughs>